our homes. They're comfortable, relaxing, and safe. It's our place where we can be ourselves and hide from the outside world, let our guard down. Today, our story will start with a loving family in their home and a wide open window, which left 14-year-old Elizabeth Smart very vulnerable. And soon, her parents would find out that their child was no longer in the protection of their home, but rather in the unforgiving grasp of her kidnapper. Well, hello there. My name's Ben. I'm Nicole, and you're listening to Wicked and Grim, a true crime podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Wicked and Grim. Ching. Has to happen. Um, <laughs> so we all just get to now be afraid of never sleeping with our windows open. Essentially, that's how we roll. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So we <laughs> now like we can't, we have to lock our doors and now we can't leave our windows open. Pretty much. That's that's exactly how it's going to happen. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. If there's anything you should learn from a true crime podcast, it's probably that you should lock your doors. Even if you live on a balcony. Exactly. Even if you live on a balcony, please. Because we've talked before, some dude scaling a balcony yep. or a, a freaking apartment building. Yep. Up, what was it, like the fifth or sixth floor? I wasn't. I was seven or, or eight. And se- I think scaled multiple floors. That is insane and in, terrifying. Into someone's place. So yeah. lock your shit, hide your kids, hide your wife. <laughs> Just become a hermit, eh? Pretty much. In the woods, but something bad could still happen to you. But being a hermit in the woods, okay, how awesome would that be? Especially this day and age with society, how it is, mm-hmm. the basic recession that is apparently predicted to come upon us because look at gas prices. Um, everything is skyrocketing. The government, cost of living is insane oh, right now. Would a, and I don't care how big it is, a 12 by 12 cabin, a, like not even a bedroom, just a 12 by 12 cabin out in the woods. You're isolated on your own little property. How incredible would that be right oh, now? Oh yeah. I dream of that shit often. Please. Let's make it happen. And we could still bring our Wi-Fi with us. We could podcast. Yeah. So like we'd be fine. Oh shit. We'd be like fucking Hansel. We would have to be, I guess, growing our own food and stuff though. Like next level. And then we'd have to come into town every once in a while, maybe get a new animal. A new animal? Speaking of animals, Ben won't let me get a new kitten. We live in a tiny home (laughs) and we have two giant huskies and a kiwi cat. I know. And I'm just... I'm I'm torturing myself. I literally have gone and visited them twice. I just and realized. I, sorry. Um. I I should clarify. Kiwi cat. Kiwi's the name of our cat. So if you don't know, a kiwi cat. That's just our cat. Oh, what did you say? I didn't even. <laughs> I said a kiwi cat. A kiwi cat. Yeah. Two huskies and a kiwi. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and I just go and snuggle the shit out of these kittens. Yeah, that that's dangerous. Oh, and I look into their eyeballs, and they want to come home with me, but <sighs> can't be doing all that all the time. Oh, I know, I know. They'll go to good homes. They will. 100%. Yeah. Um, but moving on from cutesy little animals and living in witch <laughs> cabins, um, I did want to talk about our, our cool new design that we have for merch. Our yeah. Exclusive 
merch. Very exclusive. Like about as exclusive as it gets. So we have an account over on Redbubble where an incredible amount of people have purchased our merch. Mm -hmm. T-shirts, stickers, water bottles, blankets even. Socks. Um, Socks. Yeah, lots of socks. Um, But we decided, you know what? We've done some giveaways where we give away some of our merch. But what if we create a cool design? And I think we talked about this in the last episode. What if we create a cool design that is specifically only for giveaways? Mm -hmm. So you did it. I did it. Mm-hmm. I did some doodling on my uh, my digital art painty thing and came <laughs> up with a uh, a design. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so good. So if you want to see it, you can head over and check us out on Instagram and Facebook. We'll post a picture there. Um, Patreons or patrons have already seen it. Patrons like, got it. A, yeah, yeah. a heads up on that. People have said it's their, your fa- their favorite design so far. Exactly. So I'm glad they like it. And the only way you're going to ever be able to get this design on any sort of merch is winning a giveaway of sorts from us. Boom. So. I feel like we're going to have to do some, like, a few giveaways now. I think so. Got to get this design out there. of a few giveaways, before we get to this case, one last thing I want to drop. We were just talking about doing a big old giveaway. A massive giveaway. Um, so it's going to be really cool. There will be only one winner for it. It will be some real cool, like, um, epic package deal thing. So watch out for that. That's going to be coming soon. You good, brah? My mosquito just landed on my mic. (laughs) I wanted to kill it, but I couldn't. Pretty sure you went cross-eyed staring. I know. I was like, mosquitoes are, I said, did I say that to you the other day? Basically the only animal I'll ever kill. Fair enough. I mean, they're not really an animal. They're an insect classification. The only other living being. There you go. I don't know. Um, okay. Yeah. No, this giveaway is going to be so cool. So I was very distracted yeah. by that mosquito. Um, so if you want a heads up on all these sort of things, um, cause we, we talk to our patrons about all this sort of good stuff. You can head over to Patreon, sign up over there. Um, and speaking of Patreon, we have a patron who signed up this week. Mm-hmm. Um, actually signed we up. We have to thank. They signed up just like an hour Today. Ago prior to recording. So cool. Uh, so Matthew Rolu, I really hope I said your name right. Thank you so much for signing up. You're amazing. You're wicked. Thank You're you awesome. so much, Matthew. Exactly. So. How do you spell the last name? Oh, I turned my phone off. Oh, shoot. I think it was R-O-U-L-E-A-U. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Right on. Cool last name. It is. So, without further ado, you ready to get into this case? I am. Yeah, now that you've you've really piqued our interest there. Well, as I mentioned in the intro of this whole story, uh, it revolves around a 14-year-old girl, and that girl's name is Elizabeth Smart. Which is sad as hell. So Elizabeth was born on November 3rd, 1987 in Salt Lake City, Utah. She was born into a loving family that found a lot of pride in their Mormon belief. And Elizabeth was the second oldest child in the family where she had four brothers and one sister. Now, clearly that's, that's a busy home. It's mm-hmm. six children, right? That's a lot of children. Um, but each of them were loved and cared for by their parents, Ed and Lois Smart. Um, each of them were loved and cared for just as much as the next one beside them. So it was a very loving home, a great place for kids to be. Good. I love that. Yeah. Now, Elizabeth was looking forward to her middle school graduation from Bryant Middle School and moving into East High School in Salt Lake City. But soon young Elizabeth would be worrying about much different things. Things that would, um, let's say, dwarf her thoughts about, say, church, her harp lessons. Uh Uh-oh. The main thing on her mind would be turned to survival. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dun, dun, okay. Dun. I know. I was like really wondering where you're getting with that. I was like wondering if someone she was like chatting with someone or something so uh what do you mean by chatting with someone well i don't know sometimes kids get into things that they're not supposed to get or talk to people that they shouldn't be talking to or hanging out with the wrong crowd or something and then their life takes a turn not elizabeth okay no she was not in any sort of online chat rooms um there was no like uh, weird boyfriend or anything like that she had her little group of friends they were tight they were good kids um hmm. she was quite quiet and reserved she was just all around like a picture perfect cute 14 year old girl oh my god just doing what 14 year old girls should be doing and being a good kid like you couldn't ask for a better daughter essentially as far as i can find oh my gosh my heart okay yeah so with that being said in the early morning hours of june 5th in 2002 Elizabeth's nine-year-old sister, Mary Catherine, who shared a room with Elizabeth, would make her way into her parents' bedroom. She would walk over to her mom's side of the bed and wake her up. And she looked at her mom and she said, Mom, somebody has taken Elizabeth. Oh my goodness. Could you imagine? That's not, that's one way to be woken up. That would be oh, scary. Yeah. Um, but now, not realizing the severity of the situation, both parents got out of bed and began searching the kid's room. Um, I, I think more specifically, the father went down, began searching first while the mom stayed back. Well, yeah, um, you could honestly think, oh, maybe she's just somewhere in the house, right? Like, I don't exactly. think you think she'd be taken. They brushed it off at first thinking yeah. that, you know, maybe uh, this daughter had a bit of a nightmare and didn't realize, you know, maybe uh, Elizabeth was just out of bed somewhere in the house. Right, exactly. So the father began looking and searching and then the mother came down uh, with Mary Catherine later, a uh, few moments later, sorry. And Mary Catherine would speak up as she came down and she would tell her parents as they were searching the house, you're not going to find her. A man has taken her. Oh my gosh. And then they turned on the light in the kitchen. And that's when they saw that a kitchen window had been opened and a screen was sliced large enough for someone to fit through. Wow. And in that moment, they realized the severity of the situation. They realized some shit had gone down. Exactly. So brutal. So this is where we uh, start off with close your fucking windows, lock those doors. Well, like their window could technically have maybe even been closed. I believe it was left open. Okay. There's no, I couldn't find any um, certain evidence or certain statements saying it was left open. Yeah. Um, but I mean, some windows you could probably open oh, for sure. from the outside. Like, I mean, I think a lot of the newer ones, you lock them from the inside now a little bit, right? Yeah. But I bet you there's a lot of windows out there where you don't. Well, I do remember in elementary school, I would come home from school before my parents did. We live out in the sticks. There's no neighbors really around anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and I lost the key to get inside or I left it in home or something. Like I didn't have a key. Um, so I, I broke into my parents' house and I broke in via prying open a window. <laughs> 
And my parents noticed damage to the window later, and I, I didn't speak up about it being me. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. There wasn't much damage. Like, they just, oh, why is this chipped? Oh, my goodness. So they're going to maybe listen to this, like, months down the road and be like, maybe Ben? Yeah. Surprise, <laughs> mom and dad. It was me all along. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Some of the things from your childhood, you just must have been so... I was a good boy. Yeah, that's one way of putting it, eh? <laughs> um, back to Elizabeth, though. Back to the story. Uh, immediately, of course, uh, the Smart family phoned the police, mm -hmm. and the police immediately locked down the neighborhood and began their search. They searched the scene and found the cut-open screen in the kitchen window and two chairs sitting at the bottom of the outside of this window. They were sitting back-to-back. Uh, which provided the intruder enough height to gain access to the window to gain the entrance. Oh, okay. Now, evidence such as fingerprints or DNA were unfortunately not found anywhere on the scene, and searches using bloodhounds were used, mm -hmm. and they were even unsuccessful. Wow, hey? Yeah. So this person was probably wearing gloves, I'm assuming. Uh, there was uh, some statements about it being a contaminated crime scene, um, I'm not too certain how that would be if the police got in there prior to and searched around before locking it down and understanding. I'm not uh, certain. Okay. Um, but it could have been gloves, could have been the contaminated crime scene, could have been a combination. Mm -hmm. Now, the only evidence they had to go on was that of the witness, Mary Catherine, who shared the bedroom with Elizabeth. Now, the question is, of course, what did she see? Mm -hmm. What does she know? So the police talked to her and asked her her recount of what had happened. And she told them very consistently the same story, um, exactly what she had seen. She said she woke up as a man had crept into their bedroom. Oh my gosh. And as many kids would do, frightened into this sort of catatonic state. Many kids and adults probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she pretended to be asleep. Oh no. She watched the man approach Elizabeth, wake her up. And threaten her with what she thought was a gun, but later on we would discover was a knife. Okay. And he would say that, I will hurt you. Don't make a sound. Just come with me. Holy heck. Yeah. And then he ushered her out of the bedroom. And moments later, the both of them were gone, leaving Mary Catherine to wake up her parents. Oh, wow. So, yeah. That is the whole beginning of this story, this whole debacle that we are about to unfold. That is a lot. Like, I can't even imagine this, what would be going through this little nine-year-old girl's brain, too. Like, should I do something? Like, oh, my goodness. How can you do anything? You couldn't. Though? She did the right thing, probably, right? Well, if she said anything or... Someone knows. could have gotten really hurt. Exactly. Could have been her. Could have been Elizabeth. You don't know. So the guy could have killed the whole family. Exactly. Really? Yeah. So the police, um, actually they did ask Elizabeth if she knew the man though. Um, and more specifically, since oh. it was dark and she couldn't see, uh, they did ask if she recognized the voice as the man spoke to Elizabeth. Sorry, they asked, um, Mary Catherine. Okay. I was going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they asked Mary Catherine if, if she recognized the voice and she said she wasn't able to identify the man visually, but she did recognize the voice, though she wasn't sure from where. But oh, she did my goodness. Recognize it. Okay. Yeah. So a familiar voice. Huh. Now, the following day, a uh, reward for her rescue was publicly set at $250,000, and the police were on lookout for the perpetrator. That's a lot. 
and they knew it wasn't a random attack or they pretty much guaranteed knew it wasn't a random attack. I mean, it definitely already sounds very much like it was planned. It sounds very targeted. Yeah. Uh, cutting off the screen to a kitchen window and making their way into the specific girl's bedroom. Knew which one, yeah. Selecting Elizabeth seemed very targeted all around. Um, you know, going in specifically to this 14-year-old's room, not stealing anything, taking the girl and leaving. Like, that. that's... It sounds very yeah. thought through. And it's not a crime-ridden they neighborhood. They knew what they were doing. Yeah, it's a very well-established neighborhood. No, lo low crime rate. It's just... Very, very, very fishy all around. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, the first 72 hours are the most crucial, according to anyone, but mostly investigators. Uh, each hour that goes by with a missing person uh, and them not being found increases the chance of harm to the victim and also increases the chance of the perpetrator getting farther and farther away, making them harder and harder to locate. So investigators were trying to move as quick as possible. And it's 72 hours, you said? The first 72 hours are the most crucial, yes. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so like three days, basically. Yes. Mm. The response in the community to Elizabeth missing was absolutely out of this world. Almost 1,800 people turned up to volunteer to look for her. And her case began to be followed worldwide. Right on. That is so good, though. Yeah. People stepping up like that. I love that. And it could very well be that a lot of people were able to relate to this because Elizabeth was just this picture-perfect little girl who was just stolen from her bedroom mm -hmm. while family's just trying to sleep. So this could have quite literally have been Anyone. anyone's kid. Super relatable, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that very well could be why this was the case. Cause it's not like, oh, she was specifically doing this or specifically talking to them. It was, she had no relation to anything, but yet she was still selected. What if it happened to me? Well, then it sounds like the family too was also pretty involved in the community themselves and stuff, right? They so, were. Yeah. Yeah. So, so understandably, police began by eliminating, eliminating the first suspect that is always underneath the microscope initially in any case, which is... The parents? The parents, Okay, yeah. yes. The family, yeah. I got it right. Ed Smart, being the father, was suspect number oh, one. And geez. his brothers were also taken in by FBI for questioning, and they performed a polygraph test. Now, the test would actually come back inconclusive. Well, yeah, because those tests, I need to do more research on them, but they just seem like a kind of a joke. Yeah. Well, the smarts also argued the validity of the tests. Uh, they said that these tests went on for hours on end. Um, they were stressed out of their minds from this mm -hmm. whole case. They're running on very little sleep over the last few days. Yeah. Um, and so they were just like these tests, like there's no way, like we did not do this. We have nothing to do with it. This is basically bullshit when they called these polygraph tests. I'm very much so a person probably would be innocent and take one of those tests and be shown as guilty. Yeah, because it, it just, it it tests stress levels. It oh. doesn't test truth or lie. And my stress is always like through the roof no matter <laughs> what. And in that situation, I would be innocent and probably yep. just be stressed like, oh my gosh, yep. did I actually do this? <laughs> is your name Nicole? Yes. I think so. Looks like she's lying, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the inconclusive test didn't stump the authorities, though. It was obvious the family wasn't responsible. They were merely going through procedures to rule them out as suspects officially. Good. Good. Um, which they did. So the family wouldn't end up being the only suspects under the scrutiny of authorities, though. A lead the authorities were able to follow were that of a local milkman who reported seeing a suspicious individual only a few blocks away from the Smarts family home. 
That man identified as 26-year-old Brett Michael Edmonds. Now, the police were able to find him and question him easily enough due to his criminal warrants for fraud and assaulting a police officer last month. Oh. They went on to question him, and they were quickly able to rule him out as a suspect as well. Okay. Primarily due to the description of the individual and the description of this Brett Ed- Edmonds, because Brett was much taller, being he's six foot two, 235 pounds. Oh, did not okay. fit the description of the perpetrator. Okay. And of course, among other things, but that was a prime one. Now, Special Agent Mick Fernerdy was an FBI's investigator. In fact, he happened to be the lead investigator on this case, and he was able to drum up their next suspect. The Smarts were having some renovations done on their home over the course of the past few months. And on the list of the contractors who had been working on the place was a man by the name of Richard Reese. A man who had a criminal history, including attempted homicide and burglary. Duh. Okay, that's actually very good suspect material, hey? Yes. Would have known the house, known the family. Oh, and uh, by the way, Lois Smart, the mother, also brought forward that while he was working at the house, she suspected he stole some jewelry from inside the house. Though I couldn't find anything about the jewelry specifically, uh, when police went to actually arrest Richard, uh, they found items in his home that did, in fact, belong to the smarts previously that he had stole. Holy shit. Showing that he was in there and did steal from them. I can't believe they just let that go. Hey? Yeah. Because they would kind of know who it was, you would think. So you'd be surprised they didn't say anything. Yes. Well, this family seems like too picture perfect. I think they're just like, it's okay. Sort of thing, you know? Remember when we had people come in here and we thought they like stole our baker's chocolate and I was like so confused. Where did that go though? I think never we found up, it. I think we did end up finding it did in the we? cupboard. I don't know. I we don't had, think we found it. It was like the weirdest thing because I also don't think that would taste good to just like eat as a chocolate Well, no, bar. but it, it just didn't make sense because chocolate just goes missing. It was on our counter and then it was gone. I don't think we found it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, mean, it's just, it's just, yeah, chocolate. it costs probably like four dollars. Like, yeah, but I was just like, it was just so random and funny. They yeah. must have been like really hungry. Maybe. I don't know. Or they were really wanting to do some baking when they got home, I guess. I don't know. More, <laughs> all the power to them. Um, regardless, though, the theory the police came up with regarding Richard Reese was this. Now, being a burglar that he is, he knew the inside of the family home since he had worked there previously. Yeah. He targeted them. He went there and broke in to steal from them again. And when he realized that Elizabeth had woken up and seen him, he knew that he would be recognized by her as he had been there previously. She knew who he was and he didn't want to get caught. So he took the witness out of the equation. Oh, like they're thinking he was in there to steal that night and then didn't plan to take Elizabeth, but then just took her. They thought he went in to do some burglary stuff, steal some things, but Elizabeth saw him come in. So he left with Elizabeth thinking that she would turn him in. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if I really, that theory seems interesting to me. Yeah. So that's the police current theory. Because like he wouldn't have been trying to steal shit from the kids' rooms, I don't think. Like I don't think that she would have saw him. That's just my opinion, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't quite line up uh, with Mary Catherine's Exactly, because they were both in bed sleeping, it seemed like. Exactly. And and the person breaking in woke her up, right? Yeah. 
According to the little sister. According to the little girl, yes. Hmm. So Richard, while he in custody, endured tough questioning from the authorities. And he would admit to previously stealing from the smart home while he was there. And he admitted to hearing about Elizabeth's kidnapping on the news. But he was adamant that he had absolutely nothing to do with her disappearance. Now, I wasn't able to find full um, video of his... In interrogation, but there are some clips and some documentaries that I watched and he's getting quite angry at the police. Like, why aren't you like, why are you guys targeting me? Why aren't you looking at someone else? Like someone's out there with her. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, he's very adamant. He has nothing to do with it. Getting very upset. Now, though he wasn't admitting anything to the FBI and being very adamant that he didn't do it, um, authorities were certain that they did have their guy and it was only a matter of time and the, until they were able to, to prove it. At least that's what they thought. Meanwhile, his face was getting plastered all over the news and the smart family knew that he was now suspect number one. Now, when I say smart family, I also mean Mary Catherine, who was watching the news and saw his face on TV. And she was very confused when she saw his face on TV because she turned to her dad and said, it wasn't him. Why do they have him? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Oh, jeez. I just hate that, because then it's like... They almost lose their oomph to try to find someone because they think they have it like in a in the bag, you know? Exactly. I just hate that. Oh. And that's definitely what happens Shit. in this case. Great. So hmm. the investigation continued. And now on July 24th, something else happened that would put everyone on edge just a little bit more. Elizabeth's cousin heard a loud bang one night outside her bedroom window while she slept. And she woke up to a knife cutting through the screen in oh. her bedroom window. Now, of course, she screamed, called her parents, and the individual, whoever it was, ran, ran away. The cops were called, and thankfully, everyone was fine. But outside her bedroom, police found the cut screen and two chairs placed back oh. to back, just like it had been outside Elizabeth's room. And this is, what is the guy? Who was the other guy? Brent? Brent? No, that was the uh, milkman identified that guy. That okay. guy's already. Who's the other one? That Richard Reese. Okay. So, and this Richard guy is in jail right now, probably, right? Yeah. When that happened? It all happened while Richard is still in custody. Oh. So who did this then? Now the cops said they don't know who did it. It could have been just kids playing a prank. No. Copycat of some sort. No. So, but there's definitely some turbulence around that. So time kept ticking and the authorities kept trying to prove their theory that Richard was around one responsible and kept pressuring him to admit it. And time and time again, he denied having anything to do with it. In fact, he denied it until the day he died on August 30th, 2002, two months after Elizabeth's disappearance. He died of a brain hemorrhage from an aneurysm while still in police custody. Oh my gosh. Yes. Arguably from the stress that the police were putting him through. 
Yikes. Okay, this is just getting to be a next level. Yes. And that's awful. Richard's case is that's a whole other case. There's a legal thing all about that. But um But do we yeah. know we get to know if he did if he did do it or not? Like I'm assuming he didn't do it, right? We get to know if he did it or not, yes. Okay. Cause in my head I'm thinking he didn't do it. So I'm very curious to know what the fuck. Okay, so that, that's your gut, that Richard did not do it. Yes, correct. Okay, so what do you? what's your running theory currently? Just that Richard didn't do it. That Richard didn't <laughs> do it, okay. I know, I don't have, well, because he also wasn't known to the family, correct? Richard, Richard yes, he was. He was the contractor. Oh, shit, right. Okay, I'm getting all these. Oh, no, I don't think he did because I, I think that that little girl, like just being Mary, being so confused seeing him. And stuff. I don't think he did it. Okay. But I okay. I don't have any other theories of who did it, but that, I don't think it was That's him. fine. We, we've we only introduced two suspects so far. The one suspect who the police quickly ruled out that was identified by the milkman as being a suspicious individual in the right. neighborhood. Well, and the, and the parents too, I guess. And the parents themselves. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and Richard Reese, who has now passed away in police custody. Okay. If he didn't do it, that's so sad. Yeah. Well, for many reasons, the passing of Richard would mean that the story would end here. Uh, with Richard's passing, how would they find out what happened, where Elizabeth was? How would they find out what he did? They wouldn't be able to get a confession. You know, all those sort of questions would now be unanswered. Mm -hmm. For the family, though, they weren't convinced it was him, especially Mary Catherine. One day in October, Mary Catherine approached her dad and she said, Dad, I know who it is. I know who took Elizabeth. My gosh. Yeah. This is like, and that's two months later. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she was reading a book when suddenly it came flooding back to her. Ooh. Like the same way when, you know, like you're having a conversation with someone, you forget a piece of information, you know, name of a TV show, singer or something. Yeah. Um, then like, I don't know, a little while later, a couple days later, you have that like eureka moment where it just, for whatever reason, pops into your mind. Mm -hmm. Same thing. She suddenly remembered the name. She looked up her dad and she said, Emmanuel. Oh my gosh. The man's name is Emmanuel. Now it took her dad a moment to really process this and think back to who Emmanuel was. Yeah. But months prior, Emmanuel was a homeless religious, homeless, sorry, homeless religious, there we go, preacher man who had been to their house before. Lois, their mother, had given some pocket money and invited him back to their place to do some renovation work as he was a handyman part-time. work. Yep. Okay. So Mary Catherine would have only met this man for a couple minutes at most. And somehow she recalled wow. his voice. Wow. Yeah. Investigators though, were still pursuing the idea of Richard. Holy shit. And they were trying to prove that he was the one involved and mostly brushed off the idea of this little girl suddenly remembering some homeless man and pulling the name out of thin air. Okay. This is that, this is starting to make me a little angry, but okay. Rightfully so. Well, yeah. And then I'm just so curious what this dad does. Like he's going to take matters in his own hands here. Feel like I would be <laughs> pretty much pretty. We're, we're almost there. Give me one sec. Um, but yeah, instead of following the evidence, they were stuck on trying to make this whole richer guy fit. Ugh. And the family, however, after months, months, so this is now months later after she identified this name. Pissed. Um, so months of them not following this lead, 
the family went to the news source on their own and released a sketch and a description of the individual. And they begged for the public's help and said, this Emmanuel guy is who we're looking for. Then they did this on their own without the police. Correct. <sighs> However, the sketch wouldn't help. The man by the name of Manuel was no longer clean cut and shaven. He was shaggy, longer hair, and a beard, which we would find out later. Okay. But luckily, the description of a preaching homeless wanderer who went by the name of Manuel and did handiwork on the side would catch the attention of a very key individual. Emmanuel's sister. She identified Emmanuel as her brother and by the name of David, sorry, Brian David Mitchell. Wow. Yep. Now, a bit on Brian, I'm not going to talk about him a whole lot, but Brian was a boy who grew up in a strict religious household and had some sexual perversions about him at a very young age and would be carried through to his adult years, Gosh. along with, um, to varying degrees of substance abuse. Now, in counseling, uh, later on in his life, Brian would meet and marry a woman by the name of Wanda Burris. Together, the two of them were extremely religious and Brian found, you know, the church's teachings weren't quite to his liking. So he began perceiving himself as a savior and gave himself the title of like almost a deity. Like he's kind of like a Jesus sort of mm -hmm. individual okay. and gave him the right to take multiple wives. As such, him wow. and his wife would dress in a very cult-like fashion in long white robes and Wanda wearing a burqa-like veil over her face. The family and now authorities who are pretty much publicly forced to look after and investigate the name of this Emmanuel individual. Which is good. Yeah. Um, and from here on out for Emmanuel, I'm going to actually refer to him as his real name, Brian, okay. because I don't want to dignify him with his chosen deity name. That's totally fair. So Brian. Um, anyways, a man dressed in white robes or some described dressed like Jesus is a fairly hard hard to miss individual when they're walking around town, right? Mm -hmm. So as everyone began to start the investigation, it was pretty easy to find eyewitness reports on seeing this individual and he, him popping up all over the place. He was seen at cafes, at restaurants, walking down the streets, showing up at random house parties, trying to preach to the people there, all while being accompanied by two women in white robes and veils. Okay, no, I just had a terrible thought. What's that? Did he literally take this little girl to be his wife? Like, this is just disgusting. I don't know if I want to listen anymore. This is um, so brutal. Hey, spoiler alert. Yes. Shit. I'm sorry. But like, oh, no. Okay. Uh, you good? Yeah. This is just exactly what I did not think was happening or going to happen. It's exactly what is happening, though. Okay. Like, honestly, if I could have thought of the most wildest theory in my fucking head, it would not have been this one. No? Like, I just don't think I would have thought that she'd be stolen to become some weird person's wife. Well, I mean, in all 14. honesty, any normal Ugh. right person in their right mind would not do that. So I would hope not. Yeah. The thought of someone doing that would be as far fetched as you could think. Okay. And also another super side note, it's always like wild to me to think when I like a family member, like a sibling or something turns someone in. Hey, what do you mean? 
Like the fat, the sister. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. I right. Was, I was thinking Mary Catherine. Sorry. Yeah. No, oh. like the sister, you know, oh, this could be my brother. Like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like my sister would have to do some really crazy shit for me to end up turning her in. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> well, I mean, if your sibling kidnapped a teenage child. To be their wife. I Yeah, that would probably be something. Yeah. 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 You break the fucking law to a severe degree where it's going to hurt another individual. Yeah. You're probably going to get snitched on. Just yeah. saying. Yeah. Well, especially a child. I mean, I, I wouldn't turn nobody in. <clears throat> Snitches get stitches. So fuck that. I mean, <laughs> my lips are sealed. Loose lips sink ships. Oh fuck my, that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Uh, so anyways, that little rant aside, uh, as it turns out, though, days after all this went public, you know, the name, the sketch, everything, uh, the San Diego Police Department actually had Brian in custody for breaking into a church. And in three days, he was in the system and he was in court for breaking in and causing damage to the church window. He was charged with the damages and released as San Diego was not yet aware that he was a wanted man in Salt Lake. Oh, shit. Of course. Just slipped through their fingers. Yep. Now, luckily, after the incident in San Diego, Brian thought it was, you know, an absolutely great idea to travel back to Salt Lake City with his two, though we identified, I have it written here, unidentified wives. But once they got off the bus back in Salt Lake, they were quickly recognized from all the publicity surrounding mm -hmm. the case. And they probably didn't know. No. Or he, Brian didn't know. No. So the kid at the Citizen who quickly recognized them called authorities and let them know exactly where they were. Yes. Very soon, cops arrived on the scene and approached the three individuals. One of them. A veiled woman was wearing a very obvious disguise, a gray wig and sunglasses. Brian presented false names for all three of them, but the police knew right away it was a lie. And they knew they had found Elizabeth. In fact, quite literally holding up a picture beside her face saying, this is you. Oh my gosh. Now, it wasn't a fantastical moment like you would think, where Elizabeth ran to the cop's wow. arms to safety. Uh, no one was hurt, mind you. There wasn't a fight put up or anything Probably like that. Probably some serious trauma. She actually initially denied her identity, saying, I know who you think I am, and I'm not that girl. Really, hey? Really. And how long at this point had she been missing from her family? I believe nine months. Okay, that is quite a long time. However, once alone with police, she broke down and admitted who she was. And she was very concerned for her captor's safety as well. Now, so this friggin' nasty motherfucker has like just brainwashed the shit out of her, I feel like. Pretty much. Now, Elizabeth is the only one who can really attest to why she did this. Uh, and But I do want to mention a certain condition that very well could be what is at play here. It's called Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. This is a coping mechanism that captives or abuse victims eventually develop over time. Uh, they begin to establish positive feelings towards their captor or abuser, which could very well be why Elizabeth was concerned for their well-being and acted this way. Well, and she's very young. She depended on this person for nine months, right? Exactly. So regardless of Elizabeth, regardless, sorry, Elizabeth was safe and she was re reunited with her family. She was home. 
happy, and began to share her story. What she told everyone was this. She was held at knife point that night by Brian. He took her up the mountain behind her family's home where they walked several miles and crested over the peak and back down the other side. They came to a small grove of trees where Brian had been living with his wife, Wanda. They had cleared a small spot and did some structure work with dirt and little logs, and there was a tent sitting there on that spot. There inside the tent, she was forced to remove her pajamas and bathed with a sponge in a kind of cleansing ceremony type thing. Then she was forced to don the white robes. After that, she was then presented to Brian, where he began to explain to her that they are now married and she is his wife. Oh, no. And it was time to consummate their marriage. Oh, it gets worse. It just keeps getting worse. So there that night in that tent, she was sexually assaulted by Brian. Gosh, that's freaking disgusting. Yes. And the whole time she was being threatened and she had... She had gone to say that she had wished for it to all to end in that moment. She had sympathized with other victims who weren't suffering. She kind of wished she wasn't suffering too, which is extremely sad to hear. Um, But after that moment, when she was having those thoughts, she made a decision. She kind of flipped. She said that she would do anything it took to stay alive, even if it meant doing what she was told and outliving her captors in the end. Oh, wow. Yes. So she so was prepared. She's thinking very for like She was past, prepared yeah. for a long time. Huh. And to think, though, this is all because her mom and, like, family were being super kind to someone. Exactly. So this is sometimes why the world is full of assholes. Yeah. Because this makes me feel like I would never want to be bring someone into my house to help them. Yeah. Who can you trust, right? Yeah. It took several years. Uh, for a court case to occur, uh, as it was a, a debate over the competency of Brian and Wanda, uh, whether it was an act of legitimate mental issues or they were being, uh, what's the best way to put this? They were keeping up an appearance in front of the judge, making themselves seem mentally ill. Is Who in question. was, sorry, Brian? Brian and Wanda, yes, oh, okay. once they were in custody. So it took several years before a court case occurred because okay. of their mental capacity yeah. or what could have been. So whether it was an act or legitimate. Now, eventually they would find themselves in, in court regardless. It was in 2009 and in October of 2009, Elizabeth would bravely take the stand against her captors. Wow. The then 21 year old Elizabeth would go on to describe what she had, what had happened to her. And she would begin to describe Brian as quote, smart, articulate, evil, Wicked, manipulative, sneaky, slimy, selfish, greedy, not spiritual, not religious, and not close to God. Hmm. So So, some powerful descriptions. Yes. Um, This right here is where I want to go on and name Elizabeth our badass of the day. Well, yeah, we haven't had one for a while, but she seems like. Yes. Really. 100% a badass. Unbelievable. So in the court, Wanda Burris would eventually plead guilty to her role in kidnapping and was sentenced to 15 years in prison, where she has now been since released. So she's in on this. She was in on this. She was Brian's other wife. Yes. She took part in this. 
I mean, but did did she willingly take part or was she just following Brian's orders? Okay. So that's kind of up for debate too. Yeah. I'm sure she had some part in it. She didn't turn anyone in. She didn't say anything. She didn't fight. Like, you know. She could have, pot she could have potentially stopped it. Yes. So. Now, as for Brian, his defense in court acknowledged that he was indeed responsible for the crimes he was being accused of. But they argued he was legally insane at the time of the crimes. And because of this, they stated that he should therefore be found not guilty by reason of insanity. The defense would reject this idea on December 11th, 2010, when the jury found him guilty of kidnapping and transporting a minor across state lines with intent to engage in sexual activity. Thank goodness. Brian David Mitchell was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, and he is currently serving a sentence at a high-security federal prison in Indiana. Good. Good. I was so worried that something like that was not going to end up happening. Yeah. So he is behind bars for life. Now, that being said, Elizabeth's story isn't over. In fact, at the age of 34 right now, I would say it's probably just begun. She's gone through to do some incredible things in her life already, including public speaking on many amazing platforms such as TEDx. Nice. Um, but I don't think I can put it into any better words than directly from the source, uh, taken right from Elizabeth's website, elizabethsmart.com, I believe it is. Here is what it has to say about Elizabeth. Through this traumatic experience, Elizabeth has become an advocate for change related to child abduction, recovery programs, and national legislation. Elizabeth's triumphantly testified before her captors and the world about the very private nightmare she suffered during her abduction, which led to conviction. The founder of Elizabeth Smart Foundation, Elizabeth has also helped promote the National Amber Alert, the Adam Walsh Child Protection and Safety Act, and other legislation to help prevent abductions. Elizabeth attended Brigham Young University studying music as a harp performance major. She married her husband, Matthew, in 2012, and they now have two beautiful children. Elizabeth's example is a daily demonstration that there really is life after tragedy. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. That's awesome. That is wow. incredible. And I can't imagine the horrors that she went through that night and the following nine months. That is a very long time. But it's like, yeah, all, all these survival cases, it's like they make a choice, right? They do. You're very much so right. Yeah. There's usually a moment when, they, when they're talking about it, they say they're not giving up. They can remember that distinct moment where it's like, it's not ending here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's fight or flight. I know. And like, it's like anyone can be making a choice like that every day. And it's just, that's just powerful. That just makes you just rethink yeah. things. So many things. Well, like you say, 
every day. It could be something as simple as um, maybe weight loss. Maybe you're struggling yeah. and you should put down that bag of chips. I know, for heaven forbid, I should be doing that. The Tim um, Tams. The Tim Tams. I just ate a <laughs> bunch of Tim Tam cookies before this. Um, or it could be quitting smoking. Or it could be, heaven forbid, you're in a situation where you need to leave an abusive relationship. Yep. Yeah, Who knows? an addiction of short, of sorts. Yeah. Um, and it, it's not always that easy. It's not. It's I understand. not easy. Yeah. But there is that uh, moment where you, you have to decide if you're going to fight for yourself. Yeah. And yeah, it's always, there's always this, this definitive moment. And it's just like, that is just so powerful that they step back and we're just like, I'm going to live kind of thing. And she did, which like, is incredible. What an amazing, amazing person. Um, there are a multitude of documentaries, movies, and books all written about uh, Elizabeth's story. Um, and there is one little tiny detail I want to add to this. I wasn't quite sure where to put it in, mm -hmm. um, but there was a situation uh, before uh, Brian was actually identified as an individual in question uh, as a, a suspect, where a police officer had actually approached them for a aggressive panhandling i believe it was okay and brian again produced false names for all three of them uh, wearing a veil the officer wasn't able to really identify them they don't have ids on them especially considering you know they're panhandling individuals inside of the street but he said there was some small suspicion that you know this could have been someone that we're looking for yeah but they have no right to remove a veil or any sort of questioning like that. They had no right. warrant, no nothing. They were in a, that's a very tough position yeah. to be in. Um, and Elizabeth actually re recounts that incident. She said it was just like her hope was walking away when the oh. police officer <gasps> left. Oh no, that makes my eyes well. Holy yeah. heck, that's. So thankfully it came back around and she was found and she was yeah. found relatively unharmed yeah well it's honestly like her her family didn't give up mm -hmm. which is also incredible yeah so i've heard her name and but i have not heard the story so well now you have mm -hmm. it's a powerful story very much so so elizabeth i don't know if you can listen to our podcast but if you ever do just know you're an absolute badass unbelievable yeah so, well done here. like amazing cheers Cheers. To our badass of the day. And of course, make sure you check us out on all our platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Patreon. You can sign up for some exclusive content. We have Twitter. We have Reddit. We have our website. We got lots. We got it all. We appreciate your support one way or the other. We appreciate you being here. And of course, as always, make sure. Well done. Make sure you. Stay wicked. I threw it back to you. That was, that was different. <laughs>